Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Um, so yeah, just to bring people up to speed, um, you know, when the massacre happened uh, 15 days ago, uh, 1,400 Israelis uh, were murdered, um, many of them women and, and children, um, uh, babies uh, were decapitated, um, uh, young women were uh, raped and then their bodies were burned. Um, just horrific, uh, some of the worst crimes against humanity that has really ever been seen. Um, it's definitely on par uh, with the Holocaust and the way that the Nazis uh, handled the Jews. But that's the same demonic spirit that was in the Nazi Germany that is in Hamas that just wants to completely destroy the Jewish people. And if you think that you're not next, um, their, their charter is to destroy Israel and the Jews and then the infidels. So you're, you're on the list. So um, the, the, their, their hatred um, of, of you and of the things of God are, um, are unparalleled. So uh, after the massacre, um, Iran in their Senate, in their Congress, was chanting death to Israel, death to America. So um, we have an enemy of terrorism. Um, somebody uh, sent me an email this week. I got a lot of emails those last two weeks. Uh, some of them were very colorful emails. Um, a lot of people would like me to procreate with myself and die. Um, so uh, there was some strong words for me and for our church. Um, it was just kind of exciting. So um, <laughs> I didn't know what was worse, you surviving rocket attacks from Gaza or some of the emails and comments on social media this last week. It was exciting. So um, uh, let me just jump right into it. There, there was this funny thing. You know, we, we, we paid to get that giant Israeli flag custom made and flown and um, just to stand in solidarity with Israel. Somebody came by and banged on the door and like, that flag offends me. And I'm like, 1,400 innocent people being murdered and 200 hostages offends me. So one of us is going to have to deal with it. So... Um, and then we, we posted a picture of the flag, and uh, a lot of the comments, you know, uh, went out like, oh, you know, praise God, we love this, you know, may God's hand of blessing blow across Israel, a lot, a lot, a lot of, and then the internet trolls got online, and then they posted all this, you know, free Palestine, there's no way Israel's going to win, Israel are dead, I like that one, Israel are dead. Um, I got a few of those in, you know, all of the, I just don't understand, even if... <laughs> 1,400 innocent people were murdered, 200 people are being held hostage. This is not the time to be like, yeah, free Palestine. Let, let's get rid of the innocent. Don't get me wrong. If the people in Gaza want to have a fight with the people of Israel, that's fine. Let's, let's send a letter, an email. Hey, our army is going to fight your army. We're on this day, we'll stand shoulder to shoulder and see who wins. But Hamas is hiding behind innocent people and ro launching rockets from schoolyards. You guys, like, it's just the most wicked kind of evil to not want to protect people. Um, anyway, so it, it's been an exciting time this week in um, my emails and in watching the social media threads because I think people might be tempted to give in to fear and not want to um, support anymore. I, Josh, I don't see my notes here, and I don't remember what the next slide was, so, but I feel like there was a, a second one that went after this. Yeah. So this is, this is, yeah, I forgot. So this is what happened. There was this great massacre, and everybody got on social media and like, oh my gosh, we need to stand with Israel. This is terrible. Can you believe what's happened? And then all the internet trolls came and like, death to Israel, death to you. And then it was all this, like the second part of that meme where Homer started backing up into the trees. It was like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be such a thing. And what happened is the church got quiet. 
There were many churches that didn't say anything about the massacre. This massacre would have happened in you know, Louisiana. The whole nation would be up in arms. If 1,400 people were murdered and 200 hostages taken, we'd be having 24-hour day and night prayer meetings. If this thing happened in Europe or Australia, we'd be having t-shirts and flags and marches. But because it happened in Israel, we're all hiding in the bushes. Because this like fear crept in. Josie put this thing on Instagram this week where she was like, you know, when I was a little girl and I'd read the stories of the Holocaust, I, I just didn't understand how nobody in the 1930s was speaking out against Hitler's regime and wanting to destroy the Jewish people. And she's like, I feel like I, I would have been one of the ones that stood up and, and, and tried to protect the Jews in my basement and hidden Jews in my attic. But today we've got a church that is cowering in fear just because some bullies threaten you on the internet on a social media post. So if you're like, well, I never would have been quiet during the Holocaust. Well, if you're quiet now, you would have been quiet during the Holocaust. Because the same reason that Jews were massacred in the Holocaust is the reason that Jews were massacred 15 days ago. I love that meme that came out that said, if your church didn't pray for Israel yesterday, you should ask your pastor why. I should ask why you're still going to that church. Because you're afraid of trolls? Last week, I preached the message from Israel um, on the, that Israel and the Jewish people were God's choice. And um, I read this verse, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, I am not afraid or ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. I think that's a powerful thing because he's saying, listen, I'm not ashamed. I, don't, I know everybody in the Roman world is not a fan of Jesus and want to kill me. And I know all the Jews that have not put their faith in Jesus as Messiah are not fans and want to kill me. But he's saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He's like, I'm proud to be a Jesus follower. I, I am, I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to keep it a secret. I'm very proud of being a Jesus follower. I remember when I uh, got married, um, my... Um, wife is this stunning woman from Sweden and then we um, had a, a beautiful little girl right away and then like a few months later was my five-year um, high school reunion and most people were, were still finishing up school and like none of them were married I don't think do you have any idea how proud I was to roll up to the five-year high school reunion with this, like, Swedish supermodel and this perfect little baby? Like, I, like my chest was like, this is my beloved family. I am not ashamed of this beautiful woman and this beautiful baby. Why? Because I really, really, really loved them so much. I wanted everybody to see what God had given me. I wasn't ashamed of my wife and daughter. I think the problem is, do we really, really, really love Jesus, or are we just kind of ashamed and we shrink back in the bushes in fear? Because I think that the time has come for the church to stand and be bold for the gospel. Amen. Now, I, I need to give a disclaimer in light of all of our conversations about Israel. Choosing to support the nation of Israel is not a salvation issue. So in light of this message in the next 26 minutes, I need you to understand I'm not talking about the Jewish people and supporting Israel as a salvation issue. Uh, I, so I just 
let that just kind of sink in for a few minutes before we go further into the message. The two things are related, but one is not dependent upon another. You can hate Israel and never pray for the Jews and still go to heaven. Does that make sense? I wouldn't recommend it, but you can. It's possible. The two issues are separate. So when I say it's time for us to stand for the gospel, I'm not saying you have to like every pro-Israel post in the world. I'm, sa- I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. Speak because your servant is listening. If you, here's the bottom line, and this is the verses we're going to get into today. If you really believe the Bible is true, and if you really believe that there is only one way to know God, people are going to hate you. I'm going to give you some unpopular opinions that the Bible says, but in 2023, this is considered hate speech, which is bananas, because for thousands of years, this is just what the Bible said, and everybody believed this. Here's some hate speech. You ready? The Bible is true. God is real. Jesus is the Messiah and the only way to receive eternal life. People that don't believe in Jesus, sadly, will go to hell. People that believe in other religions will go to hell. There are only two genders. Heterosexual sin or heterosexual activity outside of marriage is a sin. Homosexual sexual activity is a sin. Getting drunk is a sin. Getting high is a sin. Abortion is murder. Here's a popular one in the church. Getting remarried after a divorce where covenant was not broken is adultery. But somehow the church doesn't have that in their Bibles. In the last in view of the last two weeks, the Bible says that the Jewish people are God's chosen people and that the nation of Israel being reborn is a prophetic fulfillment of a 1,500-year-old prophecy, that it is the promised land. I'm not giving you hate speech. I'm simply giving to you biblical principles that are in the book that you say you believe. But because everybody else in the world has stopped believing, suddenly we are the crazy ones for believing the thing that everybody's parents and grandparents and great-grandparents have believed for 2,000 years. It's not hate speech, it's just the truth. The Bible tells me so. So if you really say that you're a believer, you really say that you're a Christian, this is what you believe. And the funny thing is, I actually don't hate anybody. I love people so much, I want them to believe what the Bible says. I love people so much, I want God to reveal his love for them and his truth to them and open the eyes of their understanding to them that they would look at the Bible and be like, I, I need to believe this as well. Because the, there is a warning in Scripture, and I'll read it for you here, that if you really believe the truth, people that believe lies are going to hate you. Jesus gives us some encouragement in John chapter 15. He says, if the world hates you, don't forget, it hated me first. The world's like, oh, are, you, are people not liking you on social medias? That's so sad for you. The world hates you? They hated me long before they hated you. Which just, it's, I feel like Jesus is quoting uh, John McClain from Die Hard. He's like, welcome to the party, pal. Like, people have been hating me for a long time. And now they hate you. That's just what the gospel is all. Let me, let me turn that verse upside down. If the world loves you, you're probably doing something wrong. Not that we want to be unloved. I'm just saying Jesus himself said the world's going to hate you for believing the truth. So if the world loves you, are you really believing and standing for the truth? 
Now, people, I don't mind conflict. I kind of like conflict. I like conflict way too much. But most people don't like conflict. And they shy, I don't want anyone to dislike me. I want everyone to love me. I want anyone to hate me. But if Jesus is really living in your heart, he's warning you that some people are going to hate you. And in my opinion, the modern church today is just so in love with the world. We are infatuated with the world. And James has some strong words for a church that loves the world so much. He says, James chapter 4, verse 4, You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? And then James is like, I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. I want, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, let me clarify this verse with this statement. Jesus had many dinners with notorious sinners. Jesus was friendly to sinners, but he was not influenced by the sinner's culture. Does that make sense? We're not trying to isolate ourselves and, and never have relationships and friendships and meals with people that don't believe like us. We're not trying to be jerks to anybody. We're just not going to allow the kingdom of this world to change our hearts and minds that we're not going to buy into their culture. We want to invite people that don't believe into our homes and demonstrate the love and power of God. But I will say this, did you notice that James called a hypocritical church adulterers? He's saying if you're friends with the world, you're cheating on your relationship with God. Why? Because we are the bride of Christ. And if we are infatuated with the world's culture, we're breaking the covenant we have with God and we're breaking his heart. I hope that you've never been cheated on, but even if it was like seventh grade puppy love and somebody cheated on you, like you feel this like emptiness and this brokenness and this loneliness, we put God through that when we're so infatuated with the things of this world. We should be so fulfilled in our love relationship with God that there's a rich, full, passionate, intimate in our heart love that we wouldn't have any other desire for the things of this world. We would have no affections for the things of this world. Which means we need to do what's right according to the Bible, not according to popular opinion. Even if everybody else thinks we're nuts, we have to keep believing the Bible to be true. And then we have to take a stand and be bold for the things of God, even if people insult you and mock you and threaten you online. Matthew chapter 5, God is going to bless those that are persecuted for doing what? Right. And if so, the kingdom of heaven is yours for enduring that persecution. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you simply because you're a Jesus follower. Jesus says, dude, if this happens, I want you to be happy about it. I want you to be very glad because there's a great reward awaiting you in heaven. Remember, it was the prophets who were persecuted for speaking out for the things of God. In fact, the prophets were killed for it. Just another side note. The persecution is for speaking the truth of the gospel, not for being a jerk. Because sometimes Christians get so self-righteous, they get on social media and they try to be a light in the darkness, but instead they just kind of give this like middle finger to the world because they don't believe in God. There's no reason to be nasty or mean or harsh. The only time Jesus was ever harsh was with religious hypocrites. 
people that said that they loved God, but they didn't live it with their actions. To the sinner, Jesus was humble, and he was gentle, and it was his kindness that was leading people to repentance. This is a sign of great maturity in the things of God. Paul told this to the church in Ephesus about about the maturity of, he said, I want you guys in Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to speak the truth, but do it in love. Why? Because we are growing up in every way into the things of Christ, who is the head of this body. We are maturing, so we speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love. Does that make sense? All right, so that's part of our maturing process. That's part of our growing process, is that that's what mature believers do. They're not nasty. They're not mean. Yes, you're right. What you believe is right, but you don't have to be a jerk about it. Does that make sense? All right, let's go back to that verse then. There is a blessing from God if we are persecuted for doing what's right. And Jesus said, in fact, I want you to be happy about it. And then he corrected himself. He's like, no, don't be happy. Be very happy about it. Why? Because you have a reward in heaven. If people threaten you, if they mock you, if they lie about you, if they insult you, you should get super pumped because there's a reward for you in heaven. And then I get people like, I don't like conflict. I'm not you. I want everyone to like me. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I want to be a peacemaker. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to love me. But people have been slandering God since the day of the dawn of time. It's, that, it's a demonic spirit that wants to, so of course he's going to slander you as well. So it, regardless of that, the church has been such peacemakers the last 20, 30 years that our nation no longer believes in him. So maybe we shouldn't have been such peacemakers in the church. We should have stood for more of the things of truth and spoken up when people wanted to legalize things that God hates. I, I, I need... I need some help. I don't know. More. Yeah, there we go. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. You're going to be hated by everyone because of me. Man, Jesus is so encouraging. I love this. (laughs) Thanks, Lord. You're going to be hated. Everyone's going to hate you because you love the Lord. But if you'll stand firm to the end, you will be saved. If you don't stand firm to the end, So Israel is not a salvation issue. Standing for the truth apparently is. And if you really, really believe that Jesus is Messiah, people that don't yet believe, they're going to hate you and hate what you stand for. And then often, because of our fear, we shrink back like Homer Simpson into the bushes. Like we make this statement, and then we realize everybody hates that statement, so then our fear gets a hold of us, and we shrink back into the bushes. So again, supporting Israel is not a a salvation issue, but it's just an example that fear can set in, that if I support Israel and people say nasty things about me, what if some terrorist comes and finds out where I live and kills me because I, I posted this thing on social in support? Well, keep reading. Jesus continues his encouragement in verse 28. Don't be afraid of those who can kill your body, but they can't kill your soul. What's the least, what's the worst they could do? Kill you? That's no big deal. You should be more afraid of the one that can destroy both your body and your soul and throw you in hell. Some people were texting me and emailing me when I first announced that I was in Israel, and they were like, Pastor Brad, we're, first of all, we're so proud of you. Second of all, we're so afraid for you. I was like, afraid of what? Like, you can't scare me with going to heaven. Like, oh no, I might go to heaven. Like, 
It's kind of the thing I look forward to most. But so often we love the things of this world so much, we would rather be in this world than be in heaven with Jesus. What I just said right there, you might want to go back and listen to on YouTube. You can't scare, but what if they kill you? I win. If you really believe that heaven is real and that Jesus is the Son of God and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and in his glory, wouldn't you want to go be with him? Sadly, we have a church of people that are unbelieving believers. Not you, other churches. And I need to fix something because the NIV translators said, I want you to be afraid of God because he has the power to destroy your body and your soul and throw you to hell. That word, I think, was poorly translated in the NIV. Yes, it is the word for afraid, but it's also the word for honor. It's also the word for fear, that we have this reverence for the power of God. So what he's saying is, I don't want you to be afraid of the people that can kill you. That's no big deal. I want you to have honor and fear and reverence for the holiness and power of God. Because when you really are standing holy and pure in the gospel, you have nothing to fear. And the apostle uh, Paul was often beaten and arrested and stoned to the point of death. And he's like, yeah, by life or by death, I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. Because, like, I hold the Lord in such respect. I don't really care what people think about me. I just want the Lord. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Which is Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. I truly, fully, completely expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be what? I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. That should be your desire, church, that you would be bold for Christ. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or whether I die. Because to me, living means I live for Christ. Dying, bro, even better. So our desire should never to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would be bold for the Lord Jesus, that by life or by death, we would preach the gospel. The bottom line is the apostle Paul realized this gospel message is worth dying for. Do you guys remember how things were after 9-11? There was the patriotism. There were so many young men and women that signed up to serve our country and, and go fight that because there was this like, I, I believe in America and I believe in defending this nation. What's happening in Israel like right now is like that times 10. Because 2,800 people were murdered on 9-11 out of a nation of almost 300 million. 15 days ago, 1,400 people were murdered out of a nation of 8 million Jews. Like the concentration, the ratio. Like uh, here in Texas, we were feeling 9-11, but we didn't feel it like the people that lived in New York. Like, they, they felt it, like, in their soul. So, 15 days ago, when the attack happened, the Israeli army called up their reserve soldiers. And normally, when they make a, res a call for reserve soldiers, I think the average is like 60, 70% show up. Well, 100% didn't show up. At first, 130%. 30% more soldiers that weren't even called came and volunteered, but over the last week, that number is up to 150%. Soldiers are flying in from all over the world. Why? Because they believe that having a sovereign Jewish nation is worth dying for. Our police officers do it every day. Our military men and women, they believe this nation is worth dying for. FBI, you know, people that serve on the front lines of protecting our nation, they literally believe that, that what we have and the freedoms that we have in America are, are worth protecting and worth dying for. Let me ask you a question. Is your Christian life worth 
dying for. Three weeks ago, our friend Pastor Hanuk from Hyderabad, India was here and I had lunch with him. I said, tell me what's going on with the persecution because you'll see about it in the news. He said, oh, pastor, it's, it's awful. The people that hate the gospel are, are burning our homes down and firebombing our churches and throwing rocks at our wives and our children when they go to school. He said, it's awful. I said, well, how do you want us to pray for you? He said, well, just pray that we would be strong in faith and that we would not renounce Jesus when we're being beaten. Hop up on your feet. How do you pray for Indian pastors, families that are being beaten and homes are being burned? Pray that they don't renounce Jesus. Think about it. If you really, really, really believe that Jesus is Messiah and that he is the only way to salvation, we would never be silent. If we really thought people were going to hell because they didn't put their faith in Jesus, you couldn't shut us up. Everything we say, everything that comes out of our mouth, every post would be to demonstrate the love and power of God and point people to salvation. Because if we really thought people were going to hell apart from Jesus, you love people, right? You would be telling everybody to get right with God. So ask yourself, is your faith, is the gospel that you believe in, is it worth dying for? Are you fully committed to it? Because what's happened is we've taken this beautiful light and we've hidden it because of our fears and our fear of man. Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, is anybody dumb enough to light a lamp and then put it under a basket, to put it under a bed, to hide it? He said, no. You're going to take a light and this, this lamp and the, this thing that is exuding brightness and you're going to put it up on a stand so that it spreads and that light spreads everywhere. Jesus is saying, put your faith on display. Stop hiding it because you're afraid. What's the old nursery rhyme? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's actually terrible theology because Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. I think we should change the song to this giant light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Come on, somebody. Again, I need to repeat, supporting Israel or not is not a gospel salvation issue. However, I think it was kind of a test of our readiness. Like I remember playing, you know, as a little kid, little league, you know, baseball and basketball and soccer. Coaches during the week would have us do all these dumb drills that had nothing to do with the sport we were playing. Does that make sense? You know, dribbling drills, passing drills, things like that. Sometimes you would play games that, that weren't basketball or football or soccer or whatever, but you're just playing this other game because the coach is trying to develop your hand-eye coordination, trying to develop your foot speed, trying to develop your decision-making thinking, so that when it was time for the game, all of those skills that you learned, you were successful when it really mattered. I think, in my opinion, this issue with supporting Israel or not was a test of the body of Christ. If when things really matter, would we stand for what is right? I think a lot of people in America go to church every Sunday. Sorry, not every Sunday. Watch on YouTube and go to church once a month. I think a lot of people are fans of Jesus, but not lovers of Jesus. 
I think a lot of people think they believe the gospel, but they couldn't even describe to you what it is. I think that if, you were, if they were being honest, their faith is not worth dying for because they don't understand who died for them. 2,000 years ago, Jesus realized that mankind would die and go to hell apart from a relationship with the Father. And the only way that could come is if somebody would deal with the sin issue. So Jesus said, I'm going to take the sin of the world and put it on my back. Why? Because I love them so much. If you've ever felt alone or that nobody loves you, I'm telling you, Jesus loves you so much. He's crazy about you. He thinks about you all the time. You are on Jesus' mind. You are on Jesus' heart all the time. And 2,000 years ago, when the Roman soldiers were murdering him, he was thinking about you. Why? Because he loves you. He's crazy about you. This is not a religion. This is not a social gathering. Putting our faith in serving God is something worth dying for. I honestly was, flew to Israel, you know, as soon as the war broke out. And if you watched on Facebook, we were driving down to just outside of Gaza and we were supplying and resupplying troops with supplies. Rockets were going over. I probably, I know you guys saw the one rocket attack on Facebook. I probably saw up close and personal 50 or 60 rockets fly over my head. I'm not trying to be cavalier, but I never had any fear. Does that make sense? I never had any fear. I knew that if God wanted to sustain me and bring me home safe and sound to my family, he would. And if unfortunately a rocket were going to land on our car and I went to heaven, I win. You can't scare me with going to heaven. I am completely right with God. And unfortunately, most Christians can't say that. Because we have this guilt, this fear, this shame. Well, I was looking at pornography or I got drunk or I got high or I slept with somebody I wasn't married to. Like, stop living like that. If you're going to live for the Lord, come on, do it right. Be fully devoted to Jesus. He's worth dying for. He's worth living for. If you're here this morning and you're like, dude, I want that. I, I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of relationship with God. I want that kind of faith and confidence that even if I die in a car crash today, I know I'm going to go see Jesus. I have no fear of death. That comes by repenting of sin, asking God to forgive you, hum basically dying to your life so you can live for Jesus. So then you become a missionary all day, every day. You become a missionary at your school. You become a missionary at your work. You become a missionary at your Kroger. Wherever you go, you're letting the light of the gospel shine bright. I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning or if you're watching online and you know you're not right with God, why don't we do, let's bow our heads, close our eyes and begin to pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be unashamed of your good news. We want to be in right relationship with you. 
But Lord, I'm sure there's people here this morning or, or watching on YouTube that, man, they're under the weight and the guilt of shame and sin. But I also know that today is the day that if they will pray in faith and ask you to forgive them of their sin, that you'll wash them and cleanse them and you'll adopt them into your family. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, man, if you're here this morning and you're not right with God, but you want to be, you want to really ask God to forgive you, you want to really repent, you want to go all in for serving the Lord Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer. I can't pray it for you, but I can help you. I, I can lead you. If, you. if you believe it in your heart, I can help you pray this prayer. I'd like to know who I'm praying for. If you're here this morning and you know you're not right with God and you need to pray a prayer to ask God to forgive you of sin, it might be the first time in your life or the first time in a long time that you've prayed a prayer like this. Today's your day. Would you trust me with this church? Would you just shoot your hand up real high and say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. I wanna pray and get right with God today. I see your hand back there. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high and say, today's my day to get right with God. I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? Say, I'm going to get right with Jesus today. I'm going to pray and get right with the Lord today. Okay, good. All right, what, what up, YouTube? Two people raised their hand and said, man, today's my day to get right with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not right with God, right there watching, even if you're watching six months from now, I want you to shoot your hand up between you and God and say, Lord, I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to get right. I'm going to ask that you would lift the weight and burden of my sin. Let's pray this prayer together. If you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus... Forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender to you. I die to my old life. I receive the gift of eternal life, of adoption, of your love. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for dying for me. Help me, Lord, to live for you, that I would never be ashamed of the gospel, the good news, that I would be a light in the darkness. Lord, use me to bring many people to faith in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Hey, for you two that raised your hand, I'm so proud of you. Golly, I'm proud of you. Well done. Well done. I'd like our prayer team to come down to the front. Listen, if you're watching on YouTube and you prayed that prayer, you really meant it. What we're gonna do is we've got this Jesus wall over here and these are light bulbs that spell out the name of Jesus. These are people just like you that raised their hand and prayed that prayer. So we wanna put a, a light bulb on the Jesus wall with your name on it. We wanna encourage you in your walk of faith. Would you text the name of Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, -S, to 817-405-2244. Now that all that does is send an auto response form. I need you to fill out that form, click submit. We wanna put your name on the Jesus wall. We wanna to begin to pray for you and encourage you on your walk with God. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.